Well, it's good to have all of you here uh, today. And uh, before we just jump into the message, I want to just take a, a few minutes to share with you just some uh, exciting pieces that are going on uh, in the life of Renaissance. And if you were here, I think two weeks ago, uh, I took quite a bit of time to share some of this. And so if you weren't here, uh, I'm going to go through uh, uh, some uh, incredible opportunities and obstacles in the life of Renaissance Church. And uh, so if I miss something in, in, you know, take, instead of taking 30 minutes, taking about five minutes of doing this, uh, please find me after the service. If you were here two weeks ago, this is more of just a refresher. But one of the incredible pieces that I absolutely love about Renaissance, and it's, it's really why I'm here, is, is, is around the story of why Renaissance started. It's a group of people that wanted a church where they could invite their friends to. A church that was different than any other church they had been to. A church that approached life and culture in a whole different way. A place where anyone could walk into and feel welcome and accepted. Where anyone, no matter what they believed, what their spiritual journey looks like, uh, they would find a place. And that's how Renaissance was born. And over the years... Countless people have come in and out of these doors, and they've experienced church done differently. They've experienced God in a whole different way. They've taken steps. For, for many of you, you're here today because someone invited you. Someone said, hey, come with me. And uh, think about that first moment. You know, the thought of maybe even going to church uh, uh, sent like uh, cold chills up your spine, you start breaking out in sweats, like, oh, what's going to happen to me at church? For some of you, uh, that journey uh, just around who God is and what God means in your life and, and then this church thing, and maybe it goes back to you as a child and, and all those memories, and some of those might have been good and some of those have been bad, and all of this comes into this thing in your relationship with God. One of the heartbeats of Renaissance is that it will be a place for, for everyone. And we really want that to be the case, where everyone can come in and feel loved and accepted. And what's so incredible is as I've started to get to know people, as I've just kind of immersed myself into the Northeast, as I've been able to worship here as well, is that this is a special place. It really is. I don't know if you, you sense it. I'm sure you do. God's doing something. This church is alive. And there's a lot of churches across not only this nation, but across the world that aren't alive. Maybe you have experienced some of those. And that's why you come. And what's incredible is not only are you coming, but you're inviting your friends and your, your family members, people that you do life with, people that you're building relationships with, people that you're connected with, people that, that you respect and that you love and that you're friends with. And I know, I know that when you take that step to invite someone, especially to church, there's a lot of risk at stake, isn't there? 
for Christmas concerts this year, uh, my wife and I invited our neighbors. I mean, we'd only been living in our house maybe three or four months. We talked with them just a handful of times. And I remember when, when Kim, Kim, my wife, came into the house, and she goes, I, I invited them to the Christmas concerts. I'm like, how did it go? She goes, I, you know, I was just nervous. I didn't know what they were going to say. You know, and I go, what? And, and they said, well, we'll look at our calendar. And we're like, well, what does that mean? We'll look at our calendar. Is that the blow-off statement? I think a week later, um, one of our neighbors, she came over, and uh, she said, uh, we're both, you know, would love to come to your Christmas concerts. I mean, I ran into the house like a little school kid, you know, getting a bag full of candy. I was like, yes, I said, yes. And they came, and they just experienced, you know, this unique place where God's doing something special. One of the things we've talked about is this everyone word. That God desires everyone, everyone, to have a relationship with him. Everyone. I mean, Jesus died so that all people would have a personal relationship with God. That the bar is that high. That Jesus expects all people to spend eternity with him. And that's why he came and walked on this earth. And that's why when he looked at Peter and said, Peter, upon this rock, I will build my church. It it wasn't just on Peter specifically, but on men and women like him. I will build my church. And Jesus went on to say, and the gates of hell will not prevail against him. And that's why Jesus, right before he left this earth and ascended up into heaven, He looked at the small group of people and said, hey, you are my witnesses, both to Jerusalem, this small little city, to Judea, this bigger area, to Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You will be my witnesses. And we saw that the church exploded. Why? Because they are focused on the one. Because they realized Jesus' heart Yes, it was for everyone. But Jesus was laser focused on individual people. People with names. Broken people. Hurt people. Disconnected people. Angry people. People with doubts. All people. And what you see in Jesus' ministry is these countless moments of him just sitting down with people, saying, let's talk. Connecting with them in this very, very personal way. And what's been exciting for me is you all get that. And that's why almost every weekend I get to meet someone I mean, if not at all three services, at least two out of three, someone new, who someone invited and said, hey, I would like you to introduce yourself to, or someone will walk up to me and say, hey, uh, first time here, and I'll say, how did you hear about Renaissance? Well, so-and-so invited me. Every weekend, I hear at least one of those stories, if not a handful of those stories. Because you're inviting your friends. You're investing in that relationship because you care that deeply. And that's a heartbeat 
of the church. And I think God is sitting there looking at Renaissance, and his heart is racing, and his smile is so big, and he's so excited because he sees his church becoming what he designed the church to know, love, and do. We look at the last few months. I shared that over 1,500 invites went out for Easter. 1,500, I mean, you took them and gave them. Countless of conversations, risk-filled conversations that you had, inviting people that you have invested so much in relationally. And we saw that we were up 20% year to date. And it's so easy when I throw out a percentage, right? That 20% feels so cold and not connected. And you start thinking of Excel and spreadsheets. And you're like, oh no, the church can't be about that. It's not. Because you know that every one of those percentages is made up of countless people's names. That's incredible. Mother's Day last weekend, we dedicated uh, 10 babies, uh, eight families, nine families. Incredible moment um, as we just prayed over um, these families. You know, year to date, Mother's Day to Mother's Day, we were up 35%. 35%. At our 1015 service, I had no idea where we put everyone. I think some people were sitting on people's laps. Like, it was just packed. Why? Because you care that deeply for the people in your lives. And you're inviting people to experience what God's doing here at Renaissance. So, I shared uh, two weeks ago some of the obstacles. Uh, what was going on here? And uh, I just want to quickly recap them. The first one is because you care for the one and you're investing in your relationships and you want people to experience God's hope and his joy and his love and his radical grace. You want them to come into a place where church can be fun and we can clap and sing and the band can rock out and play music and we can engage in this life journey together. You're doing that. Well, then you get to this 85%. And just all, all the, 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 the research and kind of the psychology part of church is just one of these foundational principles that once you hit 80%, 80% capacity at your optimal service time, which is this one right here, you just stop growing, period. Just, it's just a fact. Last week at this service, we had 217 people in this room. I think we have 230 chairs we're at 98, 97%. Someone probably can do fast math for me. Like we're, which is incredible. But if you've ever walked into this room, and this is the last picture on, this, on the top row, if you walked in those back doors five, seven minutes late, everyone's standing, how difficult is it to find a seat? And if you've been coming for a while, you're like, oh, but I can find one. I know kind of where to look. But if you're sitting here for the very first time or you think back to the first time you walked into a place, and you stand in the back, and you're, you walked up three flights of stairs, and you're standing in the back, and you can't find a seat. You know what it feels like? Think back to junior high, PE, and they're picking teams for a, for a dodgeball, and you're the last kid picked. Remember that feeling? Like, all, like it's you and one other person. You're like, oh, not last, not last, not last. And they call that person's name. You're like, oh. And then, I guess we'll get you. Like, it's just that feeling. 
right? It's that horrible junior high dodgeball feeling. You stand in the back going, man, I, I came to church, and oh, man, I can't find a seat, but I can't turn around and walk out of here because everyone will know, and what do I do? And you just stand, it's horrible. And that's, that's the experience. Stairs, we've overachieved. We have a lot of them. Um, <laughs> bathrooms, we've underachieved. Uh, <laughs> We, I shared two weeks ago that I have to time my bathroom breaks on Sunday morning, so I have to go. Uh, and then we have one door to get everyone out of here. A couple of weeks ago, my wife was walking downtown uh, Summit. They had the fair in uh, uh, Street, whatever it's called. And uh, she came across uh, a lady who goes to Renaissance, and she just came up to, to my wife, and she goes, man, I, I miss church. It was like confession to the pastor's wife. <laughs> And uh, the whole issue was, by the time she got here, she was running a little late, but then she couldn't find parking. And so finally, when she found parking, it was just too late to come to church. Think about it if it's your first time coming here. For some, of you, for some of you, you walked in here today for the first time, and you're like, yeah, this was effort to come to church. So we have issues, a whole lot of them, because all of this equals one simple thought. We are completely full. So we have one of two solutions. One of two solutions. The first one is we develop a don't come to Renaissance marketing campaign. I can see it now. Uh, uh, we'll get rid of all the instruments. And uh, Charlie, which he can't do, but he'll learn how to play pipe organ. And uh, that will be our, our worship with a pipe organ in this room. And then uh, I will preach for not 30 minutes, but three hours and uh, not only will I preach three hours, we're going to uh, lock the door so you can't leave until I'm done preaching. And uh, that will pretty successfully do it for us. That we, we don't have to worry about space issues anymore. But think about that thought. Because we're there now. We're just there now. And again, what an incredible problem to have. I mean, how many churches in the country have this problem? How many churches in this area have this problem? Huge buildings that have 50 people sitting in them. So the second option is this. We as a church have to just face our capacity issues, and we just have to solve them. And I am so blessed because there's an incredible team of people on our facility team that are so much smarter than me. And bring so much wisdom to the table. And they have been working tirelessly to try to come up with solutions for our space, our capacity issue here at Renaissance Church. And on June the 3rd, the evening of June the 3rd, uh, we're going to just have kind of a, a church town hall, to, to call it that, um, where we just all come together. And uh, if, if you just call Renaissance your church, and you might be sitting here for the very first time, and you're sitting here going, man, I love it. I think I... I'm going to call it my church. I've only been here 30 minutes. Great, come. But if you call Renaissance your church, when people ask you, where do you go to church? And you say Renaissance. And if you say, yeah, Renaissance is my church. Because you see, this isn't my issue. This is our issue. Right? You're the one inviting people. I mean, I am too, but I'm just one person. But all of us collectively... And so on June 3rd, the evening uh, of that, we're going to lay out a plan. And there's three very specific things I want you to be praying for. And when I mean pray, I mean pray. First one is this. Continue to pray for your everyone. 
the people that you're inviting, the friends and family members that you're investing in, the people that you love so much that you want them connected to God's radical grace. Pray and pray and pray. That is our target. And that's why we're here as a church. Number two, I want you to pray for this capacity issue, our space issue. We have so many obstacles in front of us. We've had many closed doors already, and we're pushing on every door we can. And on June 3rd, the evening thereof, we're we're going to uh, be sharing with you this working fluid plan. And I just want to preface that. We have many options with many different pathways that all lead to one end goal, is we want everyone to know Jesus Christ. It's what we want. Why? Because that's God's mission. We, I didn't make that up. It's God's mission. And so we're going to lay out what we think are the pathways that God is opening the doors for us to go down. And I want you to pray with huge expectations that God's going to show up in a, an amazing way, that he's going to open up these amazing doors so that all people may hear about him. And the third piece I want you to pray for, if you call Renaissance your church, is with that comes a financial need. And the first time in the life of Renaissance, we as a church will link arms together so that we can continue to reach people. And there's a financial need there. And I'm so excited about this journey for us as a church. I really am. This church has never gone through a a process like this before. It's been blessed in other ways, so it's never had to. But now we get to embark together on this journey. And so on June 3rd, we're going to share about all those pieces. And uh, again, I invite you to come and be a part of the church. If you call Renaissance your church, so that we can continue to impact communities and people's lives, because that's what the church is all about. And that's what God designed the church to be. So let me pray. And then we're going to take this sharp left-hand turn and get back into time. Lord, I thank you for uh, today. And I do. I, I, I pray with absolute expectation that God, with all of us together, you are going to open up amazing doors so that Renaissance, your church, can continue to change lives and impact lives and change the the communities that we all live in. And Lord, I know it's going to be a stretch of faith for so many, including me, that Lord, you know there's going to be incredible sacrifice that's going to have to be had. That Lord, you know there's going to be challenges that comes with it, but you are going to stretch us in amazing ways to depend on you more, to lean into you more, and our faith is going to explode as a church. So, Lord, I just pray. I pray with complete uh, understanding that you have a plan for this church to touch individualize. In your name I pray. Amen. Well, we are in week two of the series called Maxed. And uh, last week, as we kicked this off, we talked about time and that this kind of vessel represents your life, and that uh, uh, we only have one life to live, and what are we going to do with this one life? 
And that's why our tagline to this series, Max, is every second counts. Because we don't know when we will breathe our last second. Well, in one lifetime, the average American will live somewhere around 78.2 years. Think about that, 78.2 years. Women, around 80.5 years. Us men, somewhere around 74 years. But one life. And as I started doing some simple math, and again, this could break down in different ways depending on your life and how you spend your time and what's rolling in your life. So this is just kind of, again, average thoughts. But the average person should sleep somewhere around eight hours a night. Now, for some of you, you're cranking on four hours. For some of you, uh, you really, really like your sleep, and you're somewhere around 12 hours. Uh, When you were an infant, you're sleeping about 23 hours. If you're about 77, you're back to 23 hours. Like, it all balances out. So let's just say eight hours, right? That's right around 33% of your life. Sleeping. 33% of your life done. If you work. Now, the average American will work 7.5 hours. That's average. Uh, here in the Northeast, we, we probably like to work a little bit more than 7.5 hours a day. Uh, and so I just said, what if uh, we're working 10 hours a day, 50 hours a week? For some of you, you're like, man, I'm cranking 70 hours. That's fine. Uh, it all balances out. So let's just say you average 10 hours a week uh, for your lifetime. You will now work uh, 30%. More of your life. So now 63% of your life is gone. Sleeping and work. Depressing? It gets worse. (laughs) And these are just some guesses, but I think I'm pretty close. Like, you'll spend another, uh, what is, 16.7% of your life doing just some basic necessities. Taking a shower, hopefully. Going to the bathroom, which some of you spend a lot of time in the bathroom. Uh, uh, Doing your hair. Some of you spend a whole lot of time on your hair. Uh, Eating, exercise. I mean, just some of those basic life necessities. It's like, where are they at? It's empty which takes you to about 80% of your life. And then there's discretionary time, which, I mean, you got internet, TV, uh, staring at the wall. I mean, I don't know, petting the dog, taking the dog. We don't have a fence in our yard, so I have to go sit outside and watch my dog go to the bathroom. It's horrible. And then she like... She thinks she's going to catch a squirrel. I'm like, you're never going to catch a squirrel. I mean, if she does one day, that'll be cool. That takes us to 85%. 85% of your life. Done. Counted for. And we haven't even talked about kids and golf and everything else. 
That's our life. And then I ask a question. Where does God fit into that? Where does God fit? Oh, I know. You're like, well, Chris, he does. He's right here. He just won't stay. Right? If you come, if you come to church one, one, one time a week on Sunday for one hour, and you come to church 52 weeks a year, you never miss, which I know all of you have never missed church. And you do that for a lifetime, right? One hour a week, every week, 52 weeks a year, for 78.2 years, you never miss church. You'll give God 0.6% of your life. The national average says people who say they go to church only go to church one out of three weeks. We're down to about 0.2%. Jesus gives us incredible clear direction on this thought. It's a very simple verse, very short verse. Listen to what he says, Matthew chapter 6. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. The word seek doesn't mean that God's hiding and you have to go find him. It's not some big cos- cosmic game of hide and go seek. Uh, God would always win that game. Jesus is saying, you need to seek God. Get to know God. Get to understand who God is. Last week, we, we read in Jeremiah chapter 29, God's words. He said in verse 11, For I know the plans I have for you. And this is so critical in this entire series called Maxed. I hope you know God has a plan for you specifically in your life. He created you with a purpose. You. And that's why God says, I have a plan for you. And it says, declares the Lord. It doesn't say suggested by God declares he has a plan for you by name for this life now plans to prosper you not to harm you plans to give you hope in the future then you will call on me and come and pray to me and i will listen to you and then listen to this verse 13 you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart So when Jesus says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, he's saying, seek God with your entire being. His kingdom, what does that represent? Everything. This entire world, his creation, and what he's planning for all eternity. And his righteousness is the character of God. His holiness, the attributes of God. So many times, we try to define who God is by taking the definition of righteous or righteousness and applying the definition to God. But that's backwards. You need to flip that around. 
God is the definition of righteousness. God defines righteousness. And what Jesus was saying is, hey, you need to seek God and figure out who he is and get to know him in a personal way. But the most important word in this little verse, I mean, seek is huge. God, of course, is huge. Kingdom and righteousness. But, you know, the most important word, first. First. How many times do we fill up our time and we don't put God first? The question is, what would happen in your life If every day you woke up and you said, you know what, God? I'm going to put you first. You know what, God? Today, in everything I do, you're first. Oh, yeah. It's going to take some time. But every relationship that's worth anything, takes time. Every relationship uh, that's going to grow and deepen is going to take time. But what if you lived your life putting God first? You see, we all are going to have to give an account to God one day. It's in the Bible. It's not my thought. It's his. And I have this amazing picture. Two huge, big, fluffy leather chairs. God's made me the best Americano ever because he's God. And I think God loves Americanos. And we're just sitting there. And God says, eh, we got an eternity. Take a couple decades, Chris. Tell me about your life. Because God has a plan for Chris Trothway's life. And he's going to look at me and say, hey, did you follow me? Hey, did you do what I called you to do? Hey, Chris. Did you do what I created you to do? Hey, Chris, did you put me first in everything you do? I hear this in church a lot. I'm just not growing. And the church is just not feeding me. And the church just isn't in the church. I'm like, whoa, 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 time out. Time out, time out, time out. Church is an hour a week. Really? Man, if your expectations... Is for me to grow you spiritually in an hour? Oh, man, this is a sad world. Because you're going to rely on me, which you, you don't want me. Nah. That's why Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, not Chris Trethway. He doesn't say seek first renaissance. He says seek first him. I struggle with this. I'm not perfect with this. There's days and weeks I do really well with this, and there's days and weeks, man, an F isn't uh, even an appropriate letter grade. 
But what I want to do is take a few minutes and share with you what I do. How I seek God. How I get to know God. How I try to put God first. What I do to experience and get to know his righteousness and how he thinks and how I try to discover his plans for my life and how I put him number one. And so I just want to share with you, it's a list of thoughts. It's not a magical list, but uh, uh, I listen to uh, several different uh, podcasts every week. Um, Other uh, pastors around the country uh, I listen to their messages, and both I do it, you know, audio, audio like when I'm running, or I watch the video of their message. And uh, there's there's about six, I think, six uh, people I follow regularly that help me grow in my knowledge of God. And uh, one guy, his name's Andy Stanley. He's at a great church called North Point. Another guy, his name's Tim Keller. He's in the city at Redeemer Press. Uh, another guy in Dallas, Texas. His name is Matt Chandler. Uh, another guy, his name's Perry, Perry Noble, uh, uh, at a church called New Spring in South Carolina. Uh, a good friend of mine, his name's Judd Wilhite, and he's at Central Christian Church in Las Vegas, where I came from. And then uh, Mark Driscoll, who's at Mars Hill in Seattle. And all of these guys, remarkably different. I mean, completely different. If you watched all of them, you'd be like... That's an understatement. They're so different. But they all are helping me grow. So I listen to them. In the gym, running, uh, at home, late in the evening, I'll sit outside, whatever. But this is part of my spiritual growth, is listening to other incredible men of God as they share God's word in just an entirely different way. Uh, I listen to worship. Now, on my iTunes playlist... I have a lot of different music all over the place. Uh, I, li- I like a lot of different music. And, uh, but one of my playlists is just worship music, great worship music. And uh, right now on my playlist, uh, there's uh, a group called Passion. They just came out with a brand new worship CD called White Flag. We were playing it before the service. Uh, amazing. Uh, Hillsong is a group out of uh, Australia. And they just came out with a, a new, uh, they have a lot of uh, worship albums, but a new live one. Uh, we do the song called He Is Able, and it's off of that. It's probably one of my favorite songs right now. Uh, there's a group, and it's not really worship, but their name is Gunger, and that's just really a cool, cool name. And uh, uh, they're not so much worship, but probably some of the most theologically provoking um, style of song. Like, they just get you thinking about God in such a cool way, and uh, musically, they're, they're awesome. And uh, I could keep going, but worship is part of my rotation. Uh, it's not all the time. Uh, again, there's sometimes when I go on a, on a run and I, I need a little bit more motivation than worship music. And other times, it's a great experience for me spiritually. Uh, the Bible uh, is another great thing uh, for you to read. And uh, with technology, there's no excuse. Like for people like, well, I, I forgot my Bible. And I, I just tell people all the time, well, there's this, there's this app called YouVersion, and it's on iPhone, and it's on BlackBerry, and it's on Android, and uh, you can download it. It's free, and uh, you, you can download it right now. And uh, it's the most robust uh, Bible tool you will ever find. You can set up an account. You can log in. You can take notes. There's Bible reading plans. There's every type of translation you can think of in every language you can think of. 
and uh, you can sit anywhere and read your Bible. I was on the golf course yesterday, the day before, yesterday, and uh, I came up on a hole, and there's a guy sitting there, and he had his phone. I said, put away your phone. And he looked at me, and he goes, I'm reading my Bible. I'm like, shut up. No, you're not. Like, it was that moment. Like, he was like, no, really, I'm reading my Bible. <laughs> I'm like, oh, you're really reading your Bible? I feel bad now. But he was on version, just reading. You can read that anywhere you go. Just start reading your Bible. Right? On the train, read your Bible. In the elevator, read your Bible. I, last hour I said, when you're stuck in traffic, and, and Charlie said to me, uh, Chris, that's illegal to be on your phone in the car. I'm like, good point. Don't do that. Don't do that. Get you version on your phone and just start making your way through it. Then prayer. All prayer is, just talk to God. You don't have to sit down in some holy, reverent uh, way to say the right words uh, the right way and pray for like eight hours. You can talk to God as you drive. Don't close your eyes. You can talk to God as you drive. You can talk to God in your mind. You can talk to God out loud. You just have a conversation with him. And you know the things I pray for all the time? I pray for his wisdom. God, you fill me with your thoughts. I mean, we have some significant challenges here at Renaissance. Great challenges. And I'm always saying, God, God, I can't do this on my own. I need your wisdom, your insight, your voice. All the time. I pray for guidance, both as a leader and as a pastor, but as a husband and as a father. I pray for my enemies. You know that verse, love your enemies? I don't know for you, that's incredibly difficult for me. I'd rather say, you know, beat your enemies then love your enemies. And what I've discovered recently, this is a recent thing, the last 18 months. If I start praying for those people that I hate, and when I say hate, I mean that. I'm not saying that's right. I'm just saying that's real. When I start praying for the people I hate, you know what I've discovered? It's such a simple thought. God can't dwell in a place when there's hate can't. And as I, as I start praying and asking God to give me the capacity to love the people I don't want to love, you know what happens? The hate for those people gets removed and God's love comes in place. Because you can't pray for people and hate them at the same time. Try it. I promise you. And it will tick you off. Because you want to pray and feel all righteous and hate. You can't. And every time those thoughts come in my mind about someone specifically, I start praying for them by name. And it's amazing. God will give you the capacity to love. So pray. So pray. And I know it's, it's easy for you to sit out there and say, well, Chris, okay, that's great. Put God first. That's awesome. That's your job, Chris. You, you have to do that. I don't know what you do for a living. I mean, if you're a kindergarten teacher, if you spend all day with kindergarten kids, I have one. What do you want to do all evening? Do you want to have 10 of them in your house? If you're working with numbers all day, 
Do you want to drive home and then spend another, whatever, looking at numbers again? You know, one of the most difficult things for me is all week. I'm working on a message. I'm working on a message. I'm working on a message. And God's saying, well, that's there. What are you doing just to build a relationship with me, Chris? It's difficult. But Jesus ends this simple little verse. And he says this. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. See, Jesus simply just said, hey, when you put God first in your life, when he's right there, he will fill up your, your life with the right things. He will give you exactly what you need in your life. Back in John 10.10, 10, a verse we looked at for five weeks in our series, Life Beyond Existence, that the thief only comes to still kill and destroy, but that Jesus has come so that we can experience life, and not any ordinary life, but life to the full. See, Jesus comes back around and says, when you put God first in your life, you will experience life to the full. When you put God first, you'll experience life beyond existence when you put God first. This week, in our happenings email, which uh, some of you get, many of you get, uh, uh, I'm going to send out all these resources plus more. So all you have to do is click, 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 click. It'll take them right to the church, right to the podcast, right to the album. So all these things I shared with you, just know that I'll give you those because you know what? Technology is an amazing thing, right? In our busy, chaotic life. And you can start putting God first in the rhythm of your life. As you walk, as you drive, as you work out, as you go from point A to point B, you start putting God first in the rhythm of your life and you start seeking him and knowing him and understanding him. And you'll discover his plans for you, declares the Lord. Let me pray. Lord, I thank you for today. And uh, I thank you for our time. And I pray again with expectation because God, you have an You have a plan, not for our individual lives, but for us as a church community. And I'm so excited, Lord, to see um, your pathway and where you're taking us and the impact that you're making on our individual lives, but also in the communities and where we do our life and where we live. And uh, in your name I pray, amen.